Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Grab your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 17. We're going to move on and I'm going to do the best I can to get you out of here and you can finish up your, your spring break at home. I mean, you maybe didn't take a spring break, maybe you did a staycation, and that's cool. Tell everybody you're out of town and just park your car in the garage and just don't answer the phone. I don't know what you do. I, I know that sometimes you just make the best of what you have. The most important thing during this season in life is that you have your family with you, and if you have your family with you today in church, you are a blessed person. You are blessed. You are blessed. I'm very excited about next week. Pastor Larry DeLaGarza will be with us on Sunday. Um, he is going to be helping me close out this series. And next week, we're going to be passing out cards. We're going to be passing out envelopes to people, uh, cards actually, that you would fill out to pray about your commitments during this 12 months of this limitless campaign. In case you don't know, God has blessed us with property. We have prime property on the north side of town on Loop 463 in Salem Road. And right where the city's expanding, that's where God placed us for the future. And it is time to move out of this location. We're excited about that. A man prophesied over me years ago, years ago, and said that God would raise this church out of the ashes from where we're at. And the city would say, where in the world did they come from? And when I heard that, I was so excited. I thought that was cool, but until I realized where ashes came from. Ashes is what you have after a fire. And this church has been through some things, and we have all experienced struggle and, and fire and trials, but it made us stronger, wiser, and better, and we are prepared for the future, and we are ready. Are you ready for the future? I'm ready for the future. Matthew chapter 17 Matthew chapter 17, out of the New King James, it says this. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Verse 19, and then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, move from here to there. Now, this is an instantaneous miracle. When God brings deliverance in our life, many times it will occur when you speak to something in your life that restricts you from being blessed, or it's a habit or an addiction. 
Many times what we struggle with in life, there's a spirit behind it sometimes, and sometimes it's just our flesh and our own mind that we created a habit. Either way, whatever the circumstances, God can do a miracle. God can. And so he said, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, that mustard seed faith will grow and it will develop. Move from here to there, he said, and it will move. It will move. Someone Turn to somebody and tell them, it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind goes out except, does not, does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And so Jesus gives them a little lesson. And he explains what just occurred. He gave them the secret, gave them a key. And he told them that there is a certain sense of obligation and responsibility that you have. He said, nothing's impossible for God to do and nothing will be impossible that you face in your life and circumstances. There's nothing too hard for God. But, how be it, it requires some sacrifice and some discipline. It requires some dedication if you've ever wondered what it takes to see God move, sometimes it just requires for you to move first. And that's very simple. But at the fifth part of this series, the subtitle for today's message is The God That Moves Mountains. Because those can limit us. We're going to talk about mountains today briefly. I'm going to do my very best to get you out as soon as possible. But it doesn't take long for you to receive. Here's a secret to preaching. If you'll get with the preaching, God will get you what you need faster, and then it doesn't take long for you to eat. I know some of you have scarfed down some meals before. I've seen you eat, and it doesn't take long for you. Well, it doesn't take long, to God, long for God to do a work in your life. And if you'll get focused with me, preach with me, and help me, then I know God's going to bless you. How many of you believe that God can? How many of you believe that God will? Whatever's in your life right now, wherever you're at right now, I want to encourage you, nothing's impossible for God to do. Nothing's impossible for God to do. Bless the service today. Come on, you bless it. Lord Jesus, in your name right now, we thank you. God, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the word. Anoint us today. God, get me out of the way and let's come in and do your work. I'm going to do my best to obey you. And we love you for this, God, because you're going to change lives in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. Now give the Lord one more strong hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank him before he does it. Come on. Thank you, Father. Amen. Turn to somebody before you're seated and tell them you are a mountain mover. And you can be seated this Sunday morning. I am so happy to be here. We love you so much. It is an awesome time to be saved, isn't it? Isn't it an awesome time to be filled with his spirit? Yes. It's an awesome time to experience God. In the past couple of weeks, we're so excited that we've seen about 10 baptisms, three spirit-filled baptisms, uh, and God has more for us. God has so much more. Someone, somebody say, God, make it happen. In Jesus' name. So there was a preacher was called to pastor a church and the church was doing well 
It was a small church outside the city limits, really. And this little church started to grow. And before you know it, their parking lot was full. They had to go to another service. And then they kept on growing. The problem was there was no room for expansion. They were, they were what we call landlocked. And so they started to pray. The pastor met with the elders and met with the board, and he, he asked them for advice, and, and they started contemplating and think about, thinking about what the next step was going to be. Well, they owned property, and they owned the property, but on that property also was the beginning of a, of a, a large mountain, of a hill, really a hill to their site. And this hill and this mountain that began there, it was, it was in the wave, and they thought to themselves, you know, only if that mountain wasn't there, if the base of that mountain didn't start where our church is, then we'd have a lot more room for expansion, and we'd have a lot more room for, for parking, and they just couldn't afford it. They couldn't afford to go out and do any more. It wasn't one of those, you know, it wasn't a very wealthy church, but it was a faith-filled church. And so one day in prayer, the pastor was praying and asking God for direction. God gave him the scripture. God spoke to him through his word, and he said, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed, and it will go. So he presented to the board again and talked to them and told them, I really wholeheartedly believe that if we pray that God would move this mountain, he'll do it. Now, we, you and I know that in our circumstance, we have mountains, right? We identify that mountain that Jesus spoke about many times as maybe an addiction or maybe a problem or a circumstance that we're facing that's causing us to almost feel like we're restricted. Um, the question is, what mountain are you facing right now or what stands between you and God fulfilling his will for you? Because we all have mountains, but this pastor took it literally. His faith was there. That was his faith. And so we got the congregation together. They started to pray. They started to fast. They started meeting at the church. And they were literally praying, God, move this mountain. Then they started thanking God. Thank you, Lord, for moving the mountain. And they started visualizing the mountain being moved. And they, people in the community, heard about this. They thought they were crazy. Don't go to that church because that's the church that believes God moves mountains, right? And the story goes, it wasn't long after that, just a couple of months, that they got a phone call from the city. And the city said that they were expanding and that they wanted to go out to their area. But they would have to build a road right near where the church was. And so they needed a portion of that property, but they would have enough left over. But what they had to do was this. They would have to allow their equipment to come in and bulldozers and all that they needed so they can clear out that portion of the property that had the mountain on it because they were fixing to build a road right beside the church. And that pastor got so excited and the church started rejoicing. And God literally 
moved that mountain out of the way, gave them property, able to expand and build, and they got paid for it and didn't have to do anything. It's your story. Now, now the question again I have to ask you is, what mountain do you have in your life? Here's, here's what we do most of the time. We see an obstacle. We see an impossible circumstance. We look at life and we go, there's just no way. I don't know how. I don't know. I don't have the means. I don't know um, how God's going to do this. And that's exactly where God wants you to be. Sometimes we call it being in a rock in a hard place. Have you ever heard that term before? I found myself in a rock in a hard place. That means that I felt like I had no other options. I was stuck. I couldn't move, couldn't do anything. Then I realized that's exactly where God wants me to be, dependent on him. No other options except trust God. No other, there is no plan B, right? There's only plan A. And then you find yourself not willing to attempt to see something move because it seems impossible. But here's the fact. If you're going to ask God to move a mountain, you have to be willing also to pick up a shovel. If you're going to ask God to do something, you have to be willing to step out by faith and watch God and help God and see God do his thing. Nothing's impossible for God to do. I believe that God does miracles today still. I believe that God can instantly do something and bring deliverance in someone's life or, or answer a prayer automatically. That's a miracle. It's instantaneous. Many times when we pray for someone that is sick, many times we're looking for a miracle. Other times when you pray for someone when they're sick or you pray for someone that has a special need, that God chooses to heal rather than do it instantly. But he still answers and he, he begins the work. What I read you in the scripture was an instantaneous miracle and deliverance. But there are other times when God healed somebody that had a mountain in their life, and it was a progression. It was something that God did. At the end of the day, the mountain, either it, either it begins to dissolve or it's instantly move out of the way. At the end of it, the mountain's gone anyways. But you and I get frustrated too many times, and we give up after one prayer meeting. You and I give up so many times after uh, one, one confession. And you felt faith in that moment. And you felt God bear witness with you in that moment. How many believers do we have in this place here this Sunday morning? I mean, how many people do we have that believe this, this kind of thing that God still does in your life where if you believe and you speak, it shall be done? That's Bible. Now, I'm not talking about Believing something that isn't God's will. You have to know what God's will is and what your will is and what your desire is. The scripture says when we pray and we pray amiss, it's because we prayed and consumed it upon our own desires, fleshly desires and own imaginations and things that God never said he would give us. But you know when God's given you a promise and you know when it's God's will for you to prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers, you should have faith. The faith that God requires for simply for you to believe that he can do anything. 
He can do anything. Let me point out a couple of obvious promises that I know God has for you. It is God's will for you to prosper and be in good health. Somebody say amen. Amen. It is God's will for you to have a peaceful life filled with joy and filled with righteousness and filled with contentment in your life. You are meant to be happy. Somebody say praise God. You aren't meant to be depressed and walk around sad and downhearted, almost feeling like there, there's, no, there's no hope in your life. Let me tell you something. When you have Jesus in your life, you have more than hope in your life. You have the light of the world. You have the power of God. You have something outside of your own resource. There is something about this experience that drives us to believe. Mountains were never meant to limit you. Mountains were meant to grow you. Difficult circumstances, a past, a past experience, a past relationship, a failed business venture, a failed career, whatever it may be. Joseph was found in the pit, sold into slavery, accused of uh, of a lie, thrown into prison, and yet God took him and made him second in command of Pharaoh's city in Egypt. Now you talk about someone with the past, and there are mountains that he would have to face. And then famine was coming. That was a big mountain. God forewarned him of this mountain that was fixing to be in their way. You see, it wasn't impossible for Joseph to believe that God could remove that because he had already faced some other mountains. When God has moved one mountain for you, the other mountains, what? They said, what? The doctor said, what? I had a brother who had a brain tumor. The doctor gave him too much to live. And the doctor said to him, you've got too much, get your affairs in order. You're fixing to die. He was very cold about it, very straightforward with it. My brother just looked at him. He said, if you have surgery, you'll have two months. He said, if you don't have surgery, it'll be a matter of just maybe six. Because it was just one of those circumstances where he wasn't quite sure because, you know, he didn't know exactly what this thing was going to do. So my brother looked at him and said, so you're telling me either... I have surgery or die, either way. He said, you're telling me that if I don't have surgery, I'm going to die. If I do have surgery, I'm going to die. He looked at him and said, you know what? I'm going to trust God. He lived for 14 years longer. 14 years longer. And to date, he's passed on now. But he won 13 ministers to the gospel. He prayed for people that had cancer and they were healed. 
people that had sicknesses and diseases. He was a soul winner, and God used him in a great way, but he extended his time. Sometimes what seems difficult for you and I is not really difficult. It is an opportunity for God to move and do something for his glory in your life. Somebody say, I believe that. All things work together for good. Now, in order for your faith that's the size of a mustard seed to grow, it has to go through a process that you even take your own physical body through sometimes. Isn't it amazing we pay a facility to allow us to go in so we can break down our body? Isn't it funny how we all are we're eager when you're young to get out of high school, but you pay someone to let you get back into school? Because without strain or stress, your mind doesn't grow and your muscles don't grow and you have to have some kind of stress. And most of the time, God knows that you're not going to grow until you are faced with the challenge. And the only way you can grow in your faith is to exercise that faith, is to have something that's there that's going to challenge you, that's going to lift your faith, that'll cause you to rise up to the occasion and say that I have one or two choices. I can succumb to this thing. I can let it destroy me. I can let it blockade my path. I can cause it to make me feel like I'm on a dead-end road. Or I can trust God and watch him move it. But if he doesn't move it, watch this, I'm going to climb it. You understand what I'm talking about? Listen, let me, let me go ahead and let me just, let me show you something. We get frustrated because God doesn't answer our prayers immediately. We feel like it's not God's will because he doesn't do it automatically. Can I tell you, if you'll just be consistent, you'll see God begin to answer that prayer one step at a time. And if you're consistent with that, it almost feels like you've got a shovel in your hand. God is moving the mountain, but he sure is taking his time because he asked me to help him. I know one thing for sure. If I pray for God to move a mountain, I know that God, and it doesn't move, and it doesn't like automatically get out of the way, I know it was something I have to participate in. I know it's something that God wants to use to build my faith or build my character. So I get excited. It's almost like the endorphins begin to begin to just. Uh, disperse itself in my body. You ever get that feeling before you go exercise or you go work out or you do something that just allows the adrenaline just a little bit there? And when you do that, these endorphins, these endorphins are addictive. Endorphins may give you that feeling of accomplishment and achievement and give you that feeling of sense of well-being. Well, in your spirit, man, your spirit, man, begins to feel excitement. Let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Christ inside of you gets excited when, you see, when he sees a mountain. Something inside of you ought to get excited to see the God of this universe be given an opportunity to prove himself mighty and strong and show you that he is still alive and well. I mean, I'm telling you, I believe God likes to show off. I believe God loves to show off when he shows up. God doesn't just show up just to show up. God shows up so he can show off. Now, he is... God alone, 
He is the King of Kings. He is the Almighty. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the end to everything we live for, and He's the beginning of everything we start. He has the right to do what He wants to do. He can step into your life and change it in the moment, and He has the final say so. No one else has the final say so in your life. You should never give in to other people's opinions when you know it's in the Word of God, it's in your spirit from God, it is a promise from the Lord, and God said it was so, and if God said yes, then we say amen. The promises of God are yea and amen. There is nothing too hard for God to do. But it sometimes takes steps. Look at Cornelius. Acts chapter 10, verse 3 through 6 says, About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision. See, this is Cornelius. It was accustomed. He was accustomed to praying, being consistent. And he, in a vision, he clearly saw an angel of God coming in, saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Yeah, I would have said right, right then and there. If it was me, I probably would have said, oh, praise God, I knew it. it all of this prayer wasn't in vain. The prayers came up, folks. That tells me that it was something he had to do consistently. And he had no, listen, no results for a little while. I mean, you know what frustration is? Frustration, it's when you pray and you believe and you get no results. But hope and faith and trust, you feel something in your spirit. And you know God's telling me it's going to happen. And you feel something on the inside that tells you no matter what happens, no matter how you feel today, no matter what report you just heard, you have to keep on praying. You have to keep on believing. You have to keep on defying what everyone else is saying. I'm not talking about things that are contrary to God's will. I'm talking about things you know that the will of God, what the will of God is for your life. If, it, you're, if you're fighting for your health and that mountain hasn't moved, can I encourage you and tell you that that mountain has been moving? It's just not all the way out of the way. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Keep on fasting. If you are believing for your child to be saved, if you're believing for a family member to come to God and you prayed a few times, maybe you fasted for three days, maybe you've, uh, been on a, you went on a little a Bible marathon and started confessing the word of God, can I tell you that your prayers and your sacrifice has not been in vain because you can't see it, but something is happening in the spirit world where God is at work already and God is doing something. Daniel could not see the evidence of his prayers until after 21 days. An angel showed up, just like an angel showed up to Cornelius, right? An angel showed up to Cornelius and says, God has heard your prayers, and they come up before me. And he said, now, send men to Joppa. He gave him instruction. God will give you instruction. And he told him what he needed to do. He said, send for a man named Simon. 
And he's going to tell you what you need to do. Daniel, he did not get an answer, but he kept on praying. He kept on believing. There was a great mountain in the way. And then the angel showed up and said to him, Daniel, the Lord heard you on the first day you prayed. But I haven't been able to come to you because I was battling for you and fighting a fight for you. But we've broken through because you broke through. I don't know if you heard what I just said. Did you hear what I just said? When you pray, there are angels that are fighting for you that you cannot see. You know, how many of you believe that you've got angels in your life? Come on, any believers here, you got to, don't be afraid, don't be ashamed. How many of you believe that God has assigned an angel to you in your life? That the scripture says there are angels that are, that are camped around those that fear him. When you kneel down and pray, you may not feel like anything's happening, but let me encourage you, there's a lot going on in behind the scenes. There's a lot going on behind the scenes, just like a production, just like a play, just like a moment when, 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 the, when the actors come out and, and no one sees anything except the props. No one sees anything except the, the drama. But behind the scenes, there are people getting ready for the next scene. They're moving the equipment around. There's people working with the lights. There are things going on that you can't see that were never meant for the audience to see. Only you will behold with your eyes and see the salvation of God in your life. That's exactly what God wants to do for you. Your life is like a production. Your life is like a movie. All you have to do, listen, when you go to the movies, the most work you do is buying popcorn and climbing up the stairs to get your favorite spot. And you got to be set just right to hear the audio and you know exactly where those speakers are hitting. You know exactly where everything's perfect for you and and boy, that's so hard, right? Oh my God, it's so hard to go to the movies. You know, hard work going to the movies. No, it's not, right? It's easy, right? Well, that's the way your life should be. Your heart, the hard part is just climbing. But the rest of it, God does. And you will see and behold only with your eyes, you'll see. Read Psalms 91. He said, a thousand shall I fall at thy side, 10,000 at thy right hand, but only with your eyes you shall behold and see. Am I telling the truth? You pray. You give God your attention. You enjoy the blessings. And you're there. You're doing something. You're believing God. You're in a position where you know God's going to bring it to pass, and you're waiting with expectation that moment to flash before your eyes when God's going to do something. Why wouldn't he do anything? You've been praying. You've been believing. You've been praising. You've been worshiping. You've been going to church. You've been doing everything right, and just because you don't see it happen doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It just takes some time. It takes time for God to do some things sometimes because during the process, there's 
there's something else going on. He's building your faith. He's building your character. He's, building, he's putting some love inside of you. You didn't, ha- you didn't have a love for people. You didn't have a love for God. But now God says, you know what? This problem is going to build some things inside of you. Through this problem, I'm going to use it to make you more like me. Through this problem, I'm going to cause you to walk like me, talk like me, desire what I desire, see what I see, understand what I understand. I'm going to give you light. I'm going to develop you. This problem is going to make you a child of God. This problem is going to cause you to be a great Christian. God looked at Judas and said, hello, friend. Think about that. And he looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Peter thought that it was meant, he was meant to take the easy road and save Jesus from being persecuted when it was God's will for Jesus to face a mountain and climb it. That mountain was called Golgotha, Calvary. God didn't move that mountain out of the way for Jesus. Isn't it amazing? He moved every mountain for Jesus. He moved the, lep- the mountain called leprosy. He moved a mountain called blindness. He moved a mountain called what? Addiction. He moved all these mountains, but this one mountain God didn't move. And then they mocked him when God didn't move it. And they said, look, he saved others, but he can't save himself. But guess what? After this mountain, he was going to be the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He was going to live for eternity, sit at the right hand of the Father, and he was going to be everything the Word of God said he was going to be. And no one could stop it. So next time you come into a mountain, you put your best foot forward. Grab a shovel if you have to. Show God you mean business. And if he moves it instantly, he moves it. If he doesn't, that's all right, Lord. I'm going to take that shovel or I'm going to walk that mountain. And if it doesn't move, I'm going to climb it. I'm going to climb it. So number one, again, some mountains were meant to be climbed. I've said it over and over so you can get it down. And I want you to write this down. If you have your notes, write this down. The Apostle Paul had a mountain. He described it as a thorn in his flesh. He described it as a thorn in his flesh. Now, let me help you understand this concept. When, when, when the mountain shows up in your life and you feel like it's not moving, the Apostle Paul said, if you read this in 2 Corinthians 12 and 7 through 10, Paul said that, and, and least I should be exalted, at least I should not be exalted above measure and abundance because the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to befit me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times. He prayed three times. Now, when I say he prayed three times, I don't believe personally he just knelt down one time and did a, a, a dinner prayer. You know what I'm saying? 
I think I've offended people sometimes when I've sat down at dinner with them because I didn't pray a long prayer at supper. FYI, you know, just for your information, if I ever have dinner with you and I say a prayer like this, Lord, thank you for this food, God, in Jesus' name, amen. That is very sincere. I mean it with all of my heart. I've done a lot of praying beforehand, and God heard me the first time. You pray through on your own time. It's supper time. My mama was bad about that. We'd sit down, and my mom, you know, she'd, she'd make up for her prayer time at the supper table. I'm like, oh, Lord, Mom, it doesn't take that long. One time I said, Mom, we're done. She goes, she goes she... <laughs> we were praying at supper one time, and my, my mom kept on praying. We were all done. She kept on, and Lord, and Lord, and Lord. I go, Mom. She goes, shut up, boy. I'm praying, man. I'm praying, man. Oh, my gosh. God hears you the first time. The rest of the time, you need, to, you need to thank him. I thought about making it a shortcut and just pray for the groceries when I put them inside the fridge. That way, we can just sit down and get busy. Somebody asked me if you forgot to pray. I prayed a long time ago. What does it matter? My point is, when we don't see it instantly happen and we pray three times, I believe those prayers that Paul prayed weren't just, just little dinner prayers. I really believe that they were moments of you know, separation, consecration, all-night prayer meetings. I do believe he went on a fast during those prayers. He said, I did it three times, and, and God didn't do anything. He said, but the Lord spoke to him and said this, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, I'm not ashamed and I'm not embarrassed to tell somebody I'm weak in this area. And I'm not embarrassed to let someone know something about me. If I have a conviction or if I have something in my life that requires God's help, that's okay. Because God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the things that are wise. That no flesh would glory in his presence. That he would get all the credit for all things. I want my life. Do you want your life to be this way? I want my life to be a glorious, mo a glorious moment for God to get the credit for all good things that happen. I know. I understand. Every good thing you may see in my life, I know it's because of God. I know who I really am. I know that I'm blessed because of him. I know it, I'm blessed because I get myself out of the way. I know it in my heart, my goodness, any goodness I have, any kind of good thing in my life comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. My God blesses me. My God empowers me. Why? Because I need him. Because I know I'm nothing without, my, without him. I know I'm not capable. I, I know I'm not capable of being up here and speaking to you all at another level and trying to teach you. I need him to help me. I need his mind. I need his spirit. I know you got to know it's okay, in other words, 
It's okay to look at a mountain and say, I can't do that. But it's not okay to sit there and not do anything about it. It's not okay. Because here, you see, here, here's the unique part. I want to start this, but I want to, I want to kind of, let me see. We start right here, right? And we look right here, and we have to make, we have to make a very conscious decision. We have to. <laughs> we have to. Let me do this. That's a lot easier. I was trying to do a question mark, but I couldn't figure out how to do a question mark. We have to ask ourselves the question. This is a very vital moment for you in your faith. When you come face to face with a mountain, you have to ask yourself a vital question. Do you believe God can? That's what's going to determine whether or not you make it over or around. But you'll find out that God creates barriers and he won't let you go around the mountain. He'll let you, but you'll spend years and years and end up in the same place. Isn't that what happened to the children of Israel? What did God tell them when they were in the wilderness? What did he say? They went around and they said, we've come past this mountain so many times. They were never willing to deal with the real mountains in their life. You know what that real mountain was? Old habits from Egypt. That's what their mountain was. They didn't believe God could. They questioned God. They questioned Moses. You brought us out here to die. You brought us out here to die, man. I can't believe it. We had everything back in Egypt, man. We, we were eating menudo. <laughs> right? Right. Oh, me, tortillas, man. I just want to go back to Egypt. <laughs> And here we got this bread that doesn't have no flavor, no salt here, nothing. I'm on some meat. Listen, their biggest mountain was their old mentality. They limited God. They limited God by giving in to an old nature. God said his grace is sufficient. So right here, the question has to be answered. And you have to answer it and never go back on it. And if you go past that moment and you start to climb and you start to ascend up this mountain about right here or midway, you're going to have to face that question again. You're going to be, your mind will answer and be challenged with that question over and over and over. 
That's what happened to Jesus in the 40, 40 days in the wilderness, tempted by the devil. He asked him the question, if you are the son of God, do this. If you be the son of God, do this. You know what the mountain was in Jesus' life? It wasn't when he went to the side of the hill or the cliff and taken up above there and being tempted to have all the riches in the world. That wasn't it. His mountain was his identity. Who are you? Do you know who you are? Because he had to settle it right then and there. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that where God places us, where God puts us most of the time, and we start off in places, it's right down here at the base we call the valley. But here's the irony of that. Your life was never meant to be lived in the, in the spirit, yes. You can remain in high places. But physically, you're really more comfortable in the valley. You see, everything in the valley, everything, every, every resource, everything God has given from the valley, it flows and it goes down from the mountain. And down here, it's where there's streams. Down the valley is where there's greenery. Down in the valley is where your food is at. Down in the valley, there's two sides to a mountain, and they're both valleys. But you were made to live in this world, and this world is not at peace. This world is chaotic. This world has politics that's just crazy right now. And Don't watch the news if that's all you do. I mean, I think it's great to keep up with the news. Don't get me wrong. I keep up with the news. But don't let that be the only thing you see and the only report you hear. Get yourself in the Word of God and start believing what God said. And don't go by the economy that's in this world. Go by the kingdom economy because God is broke. God isn't in debt. There is no, listen, I'm telling you, there is no debt there. And that's the world you're a part of. So when you're in the valley or when you're in this world and when there is problems, your mind has to be on the mountain. But if it wasn't for the valley, we couldn't appreciate mountaintop experiences. But you've got to get it in your mind. Every time you're climbing, every time you're getting past that one thing, you've got to answer it. You've got to be very assured of yourself and what God has told you that is God's will for you to overcome this. That is God who sent you up this path. It is God who's placed you where you are. And the main thing is, yes, God can. And yes, God will. And I did not miss the will of God. And I did not hear, not hear from God. I heard from God. And not, we're not turning back now. We've gone too far to turn back. We've gone way too far. We've got too much invested. We have too much into this. I have prayed too many prayers for that son and my daughter. I'm not giving up on them. I have prayed too many prayers for my boss. I have prayed too many prayers for my finances. I have prayed too many prayers. You see, it is hard to abandon something that you're fully invested in. Oh, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Point number two in the last point, some mountains take time and character. Some mountains take time and character. Write this down. There are healings and then there are miracles. In my notes, it accidentally put feelings. But there are healings and there are miracles. 
That's for all of you that are downloading my notes at home and on the app. You can get my notes every single Sunday, print them off at home, go over them again. There are healings and then there are miracles. The difference between the two is time. Time. So I have to, this is the word for you today. Here's what God has placed in my spirit and what I feel to tell somebody here today. Don't get discouraged when you don't have an instant result. But be willing to put in the time because sometimes it's a process and sometimes God will have you climb the mountain or sometimes he will diminish it one prayer at a time. But the angels will help you. That pastor I told you about, God sent angels in the form of bulldozers. God sent angels. When God spoke to us to get property, we didn't know how we were going to do it. God just told us, climb the mountain, take the mountain. Then God sent us financial angels and said, I'm going to give you the money. And he put people in our life that were going to help us, be long-suffering with us, support us, and be there and say, we're going to support you. We're going to do this. We're going to, we believe that it's God's will, and God made it happen. God brought it to pass. But let me tell you something. All I had to do was stay focused in prayer and keep on telling myself, I heard from God. I've gone too far. God can and God will, and I am not going to fail. I am not going to fail. God is not going to fail me. God is not going to fail us. God is not going to not meet my need. God said he is, therefore I know that I am. I am what? I am blessed. I am blessed and highly favored. I am a child of God. God never leaves his children alone. I am a recipient of his blessings. I am covered by the blood. He gave his life for me. These are questions you have to have down. These are the foundations in your life that have to be solid. You can't sway either way. You've got to believe that God is. You have to believe on the day you gave your life to the Lord, you were covered by the blood, and you're saved by his grace. You've got to have faith in your baptism. You have to have faith in your confession. You have to have faith that God said he would never leave you or forsake you. I don't care how bad it was when you fell off the mountain. I don't care how bad it was. Sometimes we make our own mountains out of from, from molehills, right? Sometimes we climb mountains that were never meant to be climbed. But anything God tells you, you'll know, you'll know. Let me encourage you. You will overcome, and that mountain will be out of the way, and you are not going to have to deal with that forever, and life is going to get better, and your life is going to be different, and you are going to be blessed, and you are going to walk in favor and you are going to walk in your ministry, and you're going to walk in the anointing God has for you, and you are going to see God take something out of nothing and turn it into his will. You're going to see it come to pass, but you have to believe. You have to understand. This is ultimately where you're trying to get. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's just a glorious place, right? I mean, when you get up there on the top of the mountain, sometimes we, oops, 
We see that flag up there. I made it. Right? I got there. I made it. Praise God. Guess what? You made it, but now you got to go down the other side and keep going. Why? God didn't ask you just to climb one mountain. There are more mountains for you to climb. There are more levels for you to conquer. God didn't, you know, the wilderness was one thing, but the promised land was another. And there are more levels. So you were meant to be a mountain climber. But it becomes easier for you. You know, the higher you go, the harder it is to breathe. So you can't live up on the mountain. Your spirit can be there because your body can't handle it. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. Physically, we feel like we're constantly evolving and climbing mountains in our life. But enjoy the valleys. Because in the valleys where you find peace. Enjoy the valleys as well. I'm trying to give you the faith this morning to help you understand that just because you're not on the mountain doesn't mean you can't enjoy life if you feel like you're having trouble. And just because you have a, a circumstance that seems like it's above you and beyond you doesn't mean that you can't enjoy that either because there is joy in the process. There is satisfaction in the process. There is growth in the process. And the child of God, wherever you place a child of God, you can't hurt a child of God. He will be victorious in that moment. Look at Daniel and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They were in the fiery furnace. Look at the three Hebrew children. They were in there. Now, Daniel wasn't, but the other three were. And no matter where you place them, nothing could destroy them. They were, they were, you know, Daniel was on the mountaintop experience. He was experiencing the favor and the blessings of God in his life. And then all of a sudden, someone tried to destroy that and say, look at Daniel. He's not keeping, he's not keeping the, the king's decree, so he needs to be put into a lion's den. And guess what happened? Those lions fell asleep while they were in there. They put Daniel in there. You want to know why? Because not only did Daniel step in, but the lion of the tribe of Judah stepped into that den. And that den became Daniel's den. No matter where you place a child of God, whether you're in the valley or on the mountain, you should always have peace, comfort, and growth. It's all for growth and development. Nothing's impossible. James 1 and 2, and I'm closing with this. Come on, Haley. Count it all joy, my brethren. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. And that's what you need, understanding, having the eyes to see. You know what the beautiful thing about this is? Is that even though you can't see on this side of the mountain, God can see it for you. God knows every limitation that's there. He's going to help you all along the way. But you are made to face these mountains. Let me give you this point here today. 
In conclusion, it's really not the mountains we conquer, but it's really ourselves. That's what it's really all about. Great things happen when men meet mountains. Great things happen. God proves himself. God wants to remove all the limits in your life. You know what's amazing about this? Once you have overcome some things in your life, God will sustain you. You can't cast out flesh. You have to deal with the flesh every day. But once you have learned to conquer that yourself, then you will see how much easier it is. And then you'll find yourself, God's not asking you to climb a mountain because you've climbed them before. Then you're able to speak to mountains and mountains move out of the way. And all the resistance you may have. In the valley, there's challenges. In the valley, there's refreshing. In the valley, David said, when he referred to the Lord as his shepherd, there are still waters and there are green pastures. Why? Because up in those mountain experiences is where you've learned how. Learned how to climb and learn how to walk. And you've learned how to build your faith. And getting refreshed and feeling the peace of God in any circumstance is easy. Paul said it like this. He said, I'm cast down but not destroyed. Shaken but not moved. Nothing shall in no wise harm you, the scripture says. And there are no limits in your life. And you face life now limitless. There's nothing too hard for God to do in your life. There's nothing impossible for God to do. There's nothing impossible. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.